g'day. Welcome to the City Reach Family of Churches YouTube channel. You know, we know that uh, online resources are no substitute for, you know, live preaching in your own local church. But we pray that these messages will really bless you spiritually. If you want to find out more about City Reach and our churches, you can go to cityreach.com.au. Now we hope you enjoy this message. Are you familiar with the feeling of disappointment? What does the word failure mean to you? If you don't know me, my name is Vineeth Roy, and I'm not only familiar with the feeling of disappointment, but I'm all too familiar with the feeling of being a disappointment and a failure. Many of you know my story. Growing up, I was quite a gifted kid in school, and so by the time I went, came to year 12, I was gunning for medicine, right? And in year 12, I did a lot of sport, I did a lot of music, I was a school captain and had great grades. Life was good, right? Everything was great. But then one moment, and I had a major injury that affected me not only physically, but mentally. And before long, I found myself falling so far short of the high standards I had for my life. By the end of the year, I felt like an absolute failure. The new year emerged, and I was so determined, so passionate, and I felt so called to do medicine that I did the unthinkable. I repeated year 12. Wow. And life was going good. I had great grades. I did well in the UMAT. I had a first round interview offer. Life was great. And yet by the end of the year, when university offers came out, I didn't get in again. Can you imagine how I would have felt at that time? I had tried so hard, and I had given up so much. I thought I deserved it because of how hard I had worked and what I had achieved. And so not only was I left feeling disappointed, but I felt like I was a disappointment and a failure. As I look across this room tonight, I wonder, how many, how many of you have felt this way in the past? Or perhaps even felt this way when you walked into this room tonight? You see, it's not easy being a young adult in this world today, right? In this crazy, busy world around us, young people have this insane amount of pressure to be perfect. Society tells us that we're awesome and that we need to be strong and independent and that we need to have achievements and success with no flaws in order to have worth and meaning in this world. Social media in particular has been such a huge factor in this. So many young people 
obsessing over the number of likes they have, or the number of followers they have, or as they scroll across their newsfeed, seeing so many perfect lives, so many Instagram-worthy lives, and comparing it to themselves. No wonder depression and mental health are at an all-time high. Society demands us to be perfect, but the Bible tells us that no one's perfect. And so the inevitable end for this constant hunger for perfection is failure and disappointment. So let me ask you again, do you resonate with the feelings of failure and disappointment? As a young adult in this world today, How do we deal with disappointment? How do we have joy in the midst of our failure? Well, tonight, we're gonna be looking into the life of a man who was deemed by the world's eyes as one of the biggest successes of his time, the Apostle Paul. But we're gonna see how he turned his back on all of that and he found his true confidence in another source. Before we get into that though, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for bringing us here tonight. Lord, we love you and we are here for you. Please open and soften our hearts tonight so we can truly hear and receive what you have to say to us. And Lord, please let it be not about myself, Let there be more of you and less of me tonight. May tonight be an encouragement and hope to us in the midst of our disappointments, both past and present as well as future. And may every word be pleasing and honoring to you. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, welcome to church. We're going to continue our series in the book of Philippians. We're looking into chapter three tonight together. So why don't you open up your Bibles, but if you don't have your Bible um, with you, feel free to look at the screen behind me. Read with me from verse one. It says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now everyone say with me, rejoice. Rejoice. All right, that was okay. That was okay. <laughs> Let's try that again. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now everyone say, rejoice. Rejoice. See, that's what the book of Philippians is all about. It's the epistle of joy. And see, Paul uses the Greek words chara and chairo 16 times. Right? 16 times in just four pages. And the word rejoice means re-joy, to have joy over and over and over again. But Paul doesn't just say to rejoice. Who does he say to rejoice in? To rejoice in the Lord. See, our joy isn't found in ourselves or our circumstances. Our joy is found in God. So this passage, man, verse one has started so fluffy and so happy and joyful. And then you come to verse two. Paul says, look up, 
Everyone say with me, look out. Look out. All right, now say it with me. Look out. Look out. With me, ready? Look out. Look out. One more. Look out. Now say, read Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 with me. Paul says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. And look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Wow. What a change in tone. See, I thought this was a book of joy. Yet this is the only verse in the entire book that has such strong and aggressive language like, look out. But who is he saying to look out from? Who are these dogs? See, Timon was telling me about the, the early Ethiopian church, I think, who, who took this quite literally. They were actually bewaring of dogs, but I don't think that's what this means. So who are these dogs? I'll make it easy for you. Verse 3 tells us that Paul is talking about the Judaizers. Now you're probably thinking, who is that? The Judaizers are the Jewish teachers of the law who followed Paul wherever he went and preached that you had to be circumcised to be saved. Right, so they weren't teaching a gospel of grace. They were teaching a gospel of legalism. That you had to earn God's favor through what you do. Now, legalism was the big spiritual issue of Paul's time. And it might not be as, as common or as prevalent in the world today, but I believe that the heart attitude that drives legalism is very much as common now. See, the heart attitude behind legalism is that we as humans have a tendency to believe that we can earn our own worth and status through the things that we do and achieve. In other words, we place our confidence in ourselves. We get a sense of worth and identity from what we do, from our own performance. But where does confidence lead? So I've made a bit of a, an equation for you to figure out tonight, right? Confidence in yourself leads to what? So have a look at verse three with me. It says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. And get this, put no confidence in the flesh. Now by saying he puts no confidence in the flesh, what's he saying about the Judaizers? That they put their confidence in the flesh. But what does the flesh mean? Now in the Bible, generally speaking, the flesh can be used to regard two things. Either our sinfulness or our humanness our humanity. And I believe Paul is talking about the latter here. So he's saying that the Judaizers actually boast in themselves, that they have confidence in themselves, thinking that they could earn their worth and status before God. Now, the reality is this, and I want you to hear this closely, right? Everyone puts their confidence in something. Right, let me say that again. Everyone puts their confidence in something. Now often we place our confidence in ourselves, 
right, in our own giftings, our own accomplishments. It's as though we have an internal chart that looks something like this. Now, when we do well in something, we feel great, right? We feel a, a feeling of success and worth, and we have a tendency to boast in ourselves. So we look something like this. But when we fail, what do we do? We rip ourselves apart, especially when someone else comes and criticizes or makes fun of us. So we look something like this. And so throughout life, we'll go through more wins and losses, and eventually, our life will look something like this. So there's no consistency to our joy, because our joy and our worth become dependent on ourselves and our own circumstances. Let me say that again. Our worth and joy become dependent on our own circumstances. So we live in a world where our worth is determined by our achievements. For example, my first day of medical school, I uh, met a bunch of people at O-Week, and I got asked three questions, like, all the time, right? First of all, what was your ATAR? What was your UMAP score? And what private school did you go to? And of course, clicks emerged. So it felt like people were judging whether they wanted to be friends with me based on my achievements. You see, the world works by having your worth and your status being determined by your achievements. And it's pretty easy to be swept along with that sort of ideology, so that everything that we do and achieve gives us a sense of worth and identity. We quickly lose sight of who we are in Jesus and think of ourselves the way the world values us, by our accomplishments. We start to think, just as the legalists of Paul's time thought, that we can earn our own worth and status by the things that we do and the things that we achieve. So we've established that putting confidence in your flesh is the same thing as putting confidence in yourself. But where does that lead? Well, if there was anyone that we could look to as an example of success, it's the Apostle Paul, right? If anyone had a right to boast in themselves, it's him. Take a look at what he says in verses four to six in what I call Paul's spiritual resume. Read with me from verse four. It says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now, I call it his spiritual resume because he basically lists all the impressive spiritual things that he has going on in his life, right? The things that the legalists would have been so envious of. These are the, the, these are the things that Paul used to live, live for before he met Christ. These were the things that gave him a sense of worth and identity and status in the world. 
Now, Paul had reasons to have confidence in himself more than anyone else. But despite achieving everything that the world deemed was successful, he still realized that none of those things gave him the satisfaction and the worth that he desired. He was still left feeling disappointed. The reality is, my friends, that putting your confidence in yourself will only lead to disappointment. If you're seeking to find worth in yourself and your own achievements, you will always be left feeling like a failure. Going back to the image of a spiritual resume, we all have a tendency to build up our own spiritual qualifications, our own spiritual CV that looks super impressive so that we can have worth. But we will never have the qualifications we need to succeed on our own. So to have confidence in ourselves will only lead to one inevitable end, failure and disappointment. But if we can't put our confidence in ourselves, who do we put our confidence in? Well, let's have another look at verse three. Paul says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God, and get this, and glory in Christ Jesus. Now the word glory in this context can also be used as boast. So Paul is basically saying that he boasts, not in his flesh, he boasts in Christ Jesus. But if confidence in yourself leads to failure and disappointment, We've got another equation for you. Where does confidence in God lead? Let's have another look at chapter three in verses eight and nine. Paul says, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And be found in him. See, the first thing that we gain by putting our confidence in God is identity. We are not found in the ways of the world. We are found in Jesus. In Jesus. As we are in Jesus, the punishment for our sin was given to him. But also, since we're in Jesus, the victory he won is now our victory. The righteousness of Christ is now over us. We are found in him. So in Jesus, we have a new identity. We are no longer children of wrath. We're children of God. Check out what he says in Galatians 3.26. He says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all what? Sons of God through faith. In Jesus, we are God's children. And by being children, it means that we're heirs, right? We're heirs to a promised inheritance. And it says in 1 Peter 1.4 that this inheritance will never perish, never spoil, never fade. So that means in Jesus, we have an unshakable identity that nothing of this world can take away. 
But not only do we have an unshakable identity in God, we also have joy. We have joy. Let's look back at verse 1. It says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. See, when we put our confidence in God, we can rejoice for all that he has done for us. But the beauty of our joy is that no matter what our circumstances are, we always have a reason to rejoice. Nothing can take away that joy. So do you remember that graph that I showed you before of our joy when we put our, our confidence in ourselves? It looks something like this, yeah? See, our joy is fluctuating. It's always changing. But this is what our joy looks like when we have confidence in God. Praise hands forever, amen? Our joy is no longer dependent on ourselves. So no matter how broken we are, no matter how bad our situation is, we still always have a reason to rejoice for what God has done for us. Amen. That nothing in this world can ever take away what Jesus has accomplished. Amen. So we have unshakable identity and we have everlasting joy. So we've learned tonight that putting our confidence in, God, in, in ourselves leads to what? Failure and disappointment. But putting our confidence in God leads to what? Perfect. You guys are like my minions. I just keep making you do something. <laughs> Unshakable identity and everlasting joy. So, so how? I've heard someone say from this corner, I think, how do we put our confidence in God instead of ourselves? That's a great question. Let's have a look at verse 7 again. So Paul has just finished listing his spiritual resume, and then he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as what? As loss. For the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So what's the first thing? The first thing to do in order to move our confidence from ourselves to, to in Jesus is to, put, to leave behind all of your qualifications, right? To leave them at the door. Just like with Paul's spiritual resume, we, we all have a tendency to boast in our own CV, Right, in our own qualifications, in our own performance. Paul had more reason to boast than in any other person. See, these are the things that Paul boasts in. And this is what he considers as loss before Christ. But now he says that even, now he says that what he used to boast in, he now considers loss that he's shifted everything from the boast column to the lost. So that the only thing that he boasts in is Christ. See, no matter how impressive Paul was, he recognized that he can't boast himself. The reality of this world is that no matter how good you think you are, or no matter how impressive your qualifications may be, we are and we never will be good enough 
on our own. We all have no reason to boast in ourselves. Check out what it says in Isaiah 64. It says that all our righteous works are like filthy rags before God. How does that make you feel? Right? You, you probably entered church tonight thinking, man, I'm a pretty good guy. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, your righteous works are like filthy rags before God. But the good news doesn't end there, right? The good news is that though our performance will never be good enough, we can attain a righteousness through knowing and having faith in Jesus. Look at, look at what Paul says in verse 9. He says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that of which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. So by believing and trusting in Jesus, he gives us his righteousness. Our new identity is in him so that his righteousness is now given to us. And that has nothing to do with our own achievements. So I want to encourage you tonight, put aside your own qualifications. No matter how impressive you think you are, we all need Christ. So are you going to boast in yourself and what you do? Or are you going to boast in what Christ has done for you? In other words, are you going to boast in failure? Or are you going to boast in the one who has given you victory? So the first step to having confidence in God is to lay aside your qualifications. The second step is to know that what we gain in Christ is far greater than what we lose in the world. See, what Paul had given up was his status and standing in his society. But what he gained was a right standing before God. And while the things of this world will fade, the things of God are eternal. We get so caught up in the ways of the world that we forget that this world is fleeting. Have a look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. This isn't working, anyway. <laughs> As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So, brothers and sisters, are you going to put your confidence in something that is fleeting? Or are you going to put your confidence in something that is everlasting? Finally, commit to the journey of knowing Christ. Paul says in verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, there is nothing greater than knowing Jesus. And knowing him isn't just a one-time moment, right? It's not like you accept Jesus and then you just know everything about him. See, God is just so much bigger than that. He is 
beyond our comprehension. And so each and every day as we come to him, we learn more and more. It's not a one-time moment. It's an ongoing journey. I don't know how you feel about journeys. I'm not a massive fan of road trips, but you know who's not a massive fan of planes? (laughs) Pastor Carl. Do you remember Pastor Carl? He is absolutely terrified of planes. And I remember when we went to the Philippines as part of um, a mission trip with the Sun Sun Team in 2017, we went with Pastor Carl, right? Oh, no. Now, we we caught a, a plane to travel from one part of the Philippines to another. And we rock up, and it's this really small plane with this plane company that I've never heard of in my life. And we're just thinking, oh my goodness, what are we going in? What are we traveling in? But whatever, we, we, we get into this plane, and as we take off, I see Carl in my, in my right corner, and he's just holding both of the arm rests, like, for his life, right? He's absolutely terrified. I love that guy. <laughs> now, I'm not going to lie. That plane journey was probably the worst plane journey I've ever been on. And the worst thing about that plane journey was the landing, right? We landed so hard that the plane actually broke apart, right? There was a part, like, in the overhead compartment that just flew off and landed on my lap. <laughs> so I'm looking at Dylan, the guy, like, one, of my, one of my friends um, next to me, and we're looking at each other in the eyes with so much fear. Like, is this the moment where we die? (laughs) Let me tell you, knowing Christ is a journey, but it's not a journey where you're going to dread from start to finish. You don't have to hold on for dear life. It's a beautiful journey. It's like you're driving through the Great Ocean Road, right? My family and I went on the Great Ocean Road um, last year, and I was one of the, the main drivers, especially for the stretch, and I got told constantly, Venice, put your eyes on the road, all right? <laughs> because I'm so distracted by just the beauty. That's the kind of journey that we have in Christ. It's not something that we dread, but it's something that's beautiful. The journey of knowing God is a beautiful journey. As you keep knowing more about him, you will learn to trust him more and more. So commit to the journey of knowing Christ. And I want to ask one other question. What are you doing to know Christ in your journey? So church, we've learned a lot tonight. We've learned that putting your confidence in God, sorry, putting your confidence in yourself leads to what? Failure and disappointment. But putting your confidence in God leads to unshakable identity and everlasting joy. And we can put our confidence in God by leaving behind all our qualifications, recognizing that God is so much greater than gaining the world and that everything else in this world pales in comparison to knowing Christ. Can I be honest with you, church? I... I struggled a lot this week. I had so much guilt in my heart as I was writing this because I don't want to come across, and I want to stand here and come across as this legalistic jerk who's telling you, don't do this, do this, because I have it all together. The reality is I am so guilty 
of getting caught up in the ways of the world and putting my confidence in myself. And I've done that so many times that it's led me to some pretty dark places. For those who don't know, I grew up with a lot of low self-esteem, a lot of low self-worth, because I was constantly comparing myself to others, seeing how perfect they were compared to me. I felt rejected, I felt alone. But that was how I met Christ. See, these feelings of disappointment were the realization that I wasn't rejected for my imperfections, but I was accepted by God, flaws and all. That despite my brokenness and sin, God still loved me and forgave me. And that Jesus actually died for my sin so that I could be presented as holy and righteous in him. I realized that I don't have to rely on myself any longer. No longer in who I am or in my performance. I can rely on God and what he has done for me. And maybe you're here tonight and you need to be reminded of that too. Maybe you didn't get the grade in school that you were hoping for and you're taking it out on yourself. Maybe you dropped out of uni for the umpteenth time and you don't know what to do with your life. Maybe your health is getting really bad and you feel like a burden to those around you. Maybe you didn't get that job or that promotion. Or maybe you lost your job, a job that you loved. Maybe you've recently gone through a breakup. Or maybe that friend who you invited to church said no. Or maybe even you feel like you pushed them away. And so for whatever your circumstance is, you feel like a failure and a disappointment. Well, I hope that you know that it's not all about you. It's not all down to you, that all of this responsibility isn't on your shoulders that you have God. I want to encourage you, stop looking to your own strength and look to the strength of our Lord. No matter what disappointments you come across and no matter how many times you feel like a failure, know that we have an unshakable identity and everlasting joy in our God. So I asked you earlier, are you going to boast in yourself and what you do? Or are you going to boast in what Christ has already done for you? In other words, are you going to boast in failure? Or are you going to boast in the one who has set us free? The choice is yours. I've warned you. (laughs) But I want to also say that it's easy to be swept up in the ways of this world. If the musicians want to come up to the front and get prepared... We're going to be singing a song to respond tonight. And I want this song to be our cry. That we won't boast in ourselves because our worth doesn't come from ourselves. Our worth is in the cross. I don't know what you're going through in life, but know that you're not a failure or a disappointment. In God's eyes, you are his child. That's pretty awesome. Will you pray with me?
God, I just thank you for the blessing it is to call you our God and our Father. That, Lord, I've done nothing, we've done nothing to accept, and I'm sorry, to deserve this, Lord. But you did this out of your own love for us. I'm sorry for the many times I've made it about myself. I'm sorry for the many times that I've neglected you. And I pray, Lord, that in, my, in the midst of my circumstances, that you can help me to trust in you and remind myself of the everlasting joy that I have in you. I pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight as well, Lord, and, and the many things that are probably going on in their lives. I just pray that you can be in the midst and in the center of it all. You can help us to put our confidence in you. Will you stand to your feet?